Welcome to Real Talk. I'm Kathy Dawson with Homefield Group of Varela Page Heartland. And today I have with me my teammate, Jeff Bauer. Today we will, we will be asking questions to um, our guest from the Lake Huron Center for Coastal Conservation, Pat Donnelly. Pat is a coastal science and stewardship advisor with the Lake Huron Center for Coastal Conservation. Welcome, Patrick. How you doing? Thanks so much for joining us today, Pat. So uh, let's let's talk first. So you are uh, the the science advisor. We'll say you're the scientist with the Coastal Center, and you um, you know you are giving them the nuts and bolts for them to then implement into their day to day activities. I'd imagine uh, providing data and uh, and that sort of sort of thing for for the boots on the ground that the Coastal Center is doing. Would that be accurate? Yeah, yeah. The the Coastal Center is science based. So uh, we we don't uh, we don't advocate for any uh, a political entity. We don't advocate for any particular community. We advocate for the the lake, and so that means it it is a very much a science discussion when we talk about erosion, when we talk about lake levels, and all those types of things. So so yeah, I'm I'm one of the founders, and I'm on the board of directors as well on the coastal centers. So I'm one of the uh, the white haired guys that have been around for a while <laughs> and uh, can provide some of the history, not only of the coastal center, but uh, history of the lake, which is maybe something we'll talk a little bit about, especially in the reality field, when you've got people coming and perhaps purchasing property along the lake that have not spent time along Lake Huron or any great lake, there's there's a maybe a, a steep learning curve with regards to you know what the expectation should be. Yeah, as, especially when we see people that are more familiar with uh, traditional cottage country north of Toronto, Muskoka on the small lakes, they're... Uh, they're flabbergasted when they when they get to a lakefront property and see just the power. Uh, you go there on a rough day and and you're showing a cottage to people. It can be very impactful uh, both to to them just in terms of understanding what they're getting into and 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 literally like if they're seeing erosion happening because there yeah. are properties that we you know literally see active erosion happening when when we're uh, when we're viewing the place so um yep. i guess let's explain uh if you could explain to us and our and our followers why why erosion is happening and why the water levels do uh ebb and flow uh excuse the pun yeah no and and certainly uh, uh I'll, I'll i'll put the uh the pitch out there that certainly the coastal center's website has a lot of information which is our our educational information uh, on it for people that are interested in that but i can certainly give you a, a thumbnail sketch um what we find is the first of all the, the word erosion is something that everybody assumes it's negative and if you look at the background behind me here if it wasn't for erosion we wouldn't have a beach so the erosion process is something that is is a natural process and it's it's vital it has to occur in order to provide that buffer from where the water hits the shoreline and so any any shoreline has erosion happening it's just a matter of different scales and different locations and different uh, threats that that may pose on on different properties so if you think of uh, you know if you've been to the Grand Canyon or down into the Utah and some of the canyons that's water erosion that has created those canyons so over years and years of of water working its magic sculpting the shoreline 
that is the result is the the uh, movement of material so it's, it is a natural process uh, having said that we've got areas along our shoreline which is the sort of tobermory to sarnia area is the area that the coastal center does most of our work on where the erosion rates and the amounts vary for different reasons and the, the best way i can explain it is most people stand at the shoreline and turn their back to the lake and look at the land and go, okay, well, what's going on here? You know, where are the, where are the bluffs? Uh, where's the erosion? Where's the, the vegetation? But what the coastal center does is that, plus we turn around and look at the lake and looking at the depth of the water offshore has a huge impact on what's happening with bluffs and that type of thing. So it's marrying the two together. The shoreline is, is water and land and what we have um, uh, uh, one map, which is again on our website, uh, which is the lake depths, and it's a very colorful map that shows that if you drain the lake, here's the deepest parts, here's the shallow parts, and that really provides some background information as to why certain areas of the shoreline are eroding and certain areas aren't. Uh, so that's the erosion component. You asked about water levels. Um, the other thing, and, and again, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the uh, cottage country north of uh, north of Toronto. Uh, we frequently say uh, this: this is not your Muskokas. These lakes are 20% of the world's fresh water. They are oceans, basically, and they the processes and the, and the things that are happening to them are very similar to the oceans. The only difference is it's not salt water, and it's not associated with sea level rise. The, the melting glaciers, Greenland and the Arctic do not affect the Great Lakes because all the water in the Great Lakes is from a past glaciation period, which when the glaciers melted, they basically left these huge water bodies. The other thing they left was they, if you think of uh, glaciers basically bulldozing their way along the landscape, you know, thousands of years ago, the material that was bulldozed is what is made up of our, our bluffs. So the shoreline bluffs along the, in, in the Goderich area and, and all the way down to Grand Bend and certainly all the way up to the uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Point, um, that is something that uh, is an erodible till, they call it. So till is a mixture of gravel and sand and, and it's not the rock that you see up on the Bruce Peninsula or you know on Lake Superior. So the rock shoreline up there definitely erodes much more slowly, much more resistant to erosion versus our till bluffs. And so that's the other big component. And certainly water levels, because of the huge massive amount of water in the Great Lakes, it's a huge system. Uh, it is a, a weather-related phenomena with regards to water levels going up and down. If we get a lot of rain across the entire basin, and the basin I'm talking about is all the, all the water that flows into the lake, um, if that is something that it will have a, a definite impact on lake levels. And keep in mind, we have that big lake to the north of us called Lake Superior, which drains into Lake Huron. And Lake Superior is the largest freshwater lake in the world. Uh, the one stat uh, that I uh, like to speak about is if we took all the water in Lake Superior, it would cover both North America and South America by a foot of water. So there's a huge amount of water there. 
And, you know, I know the one of the questions that I'm sure always comes up is, okay, what's the prognosis for the future? Well, all the Great Lakes right now have a lot of water in it. Most of them are at their upper limit. And just for Lake Superior to drain some of that water to get it down to a more average level, obviously will take time. So we can expect our high water levels for quite some time with regards to Lake Huron. So that's a long-winded answer to to a couple of questions, but uh, hopefully that gives you a little bit of background. It it really does because when when we are on site on a property and we we are often fielded questions in regards to you know why because you know and you get like why is the water so high? People understand that erosion happens because of the water, but people will ask, well, why is the water so high? And you know we'll quote the the U.S. Corps of Naval Engineers or whatever that are that that have that that data that shows that it is cyclical, and that's about as far as I've been able to tell people because I I didn't know I, I knew it wasn't from glaciers melting, which some people do think, uh, but like obviously that's not affecting the Great Lakes. But now we can say that it is you know it is because of the 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 weather patterns that you know yeah. over over the that must have a very cyclical nature to them is uh, that's, that's, that's great information to be able to pass along. And we heard it from a scientist. So that's, uh, Mm -hmm. it's gotta be true. And we have seen a huge influx of buyers coming over to our lake and the bluff area that you talk about um, between Grand Bend and, and up to Bruce Point where we don't have, huge rocky shorelines. Is there anything that you can recommend for maintenance tips along the bluff for any property owners? Yeah, something that we find very commonly that happens is with a new owner uh, coming and and, uh, taking possession of of a property that is right on the lakefront, the first thing they want to do is clear away vegetation because they want to see that sunset. And uh, that that is probably the number one mistake that happens with new property owners because they don't realize the role that vegetation has on the bluffs. Uh, now that's on top of the bluffs as well as on the slope itself. Um, the roots of the vegetation are are doing a job holding soil together, and they are especially larger uh, trees and and shrubs and bushes that kind of thing. They are doing a, a job as far as the soil properties go, but they're also doing quite a job on wind protection up on top of the bluff. And if you think of some of our our storms that uh, come across Lake Huron, you know, all the way from the state of Michigan, 180 kilometers, I think is the the, uh, distance, uh, depending on whereabouts you are, but in the Godridge area, it's 180 kilometers. There's huge winds and and huge storms that need, uh, we need that vegetation to protect um, development, uh, cottages, that kind of thing. And so the vegetation is pretty important. And so what we encourage is trimming is fine, trimming to have a, you know, a peak hole, if you want to call it that, but removing vegetation is is not something that should be done without a lot of uh, research and a lot of uh, background knowledge. Uh, there are uh, tree cutting bylaws in some uh, municipalities, some counties. I know Huron County has, has one. So there are regulations about that but also it's just uh, probably the best thing a, a new landowner can do uh, with uh, Lakeshore property is, is live there for a year uh, before they make any changes and, and recognize what, 
what's there because it is it's not your it's not your Toronto property it's not your uh, Muskoka lot it is a, a, a Great Lakes uh, shoreline property and certainly there's uh, there's definitely some uh, different a- aspects to it that people need to realize that lake can be pretty moody. <laughs> it gets kind of grouchy at times, um, but it's absolutely beautiful. The sunsets are gorgeous. Um, are you seeing any new legislation come up uh, with respect to conservation along the lakes? Yeah, there's uh, very recent uh, changes happening with regards to uh, some of the provincial legislation. Um, this happens uh um, I won't say frequently, but this does happen in the past. We had uh, back in 1996, there was a major shift in legislation. So it, it, it's almost, it comes and goes with, with the water levels to some degree. I, I won't say they're directly associated, but right now there is some changes that are happening to uh, conservation authorities and certainly budgets is something that's happening. So uh, we will see some uh, potential changes. Um, we are concerned about that just because the uh, the work that the conservation authorities do is is very important work, uh, conservation work. Um, uh, the the reason the Lake Huron Coastal Center exists is because there was a um, a push back in, in 1986 after the high water level to provide some expertise and and provide some staffing at conservation authorities that can provide uh, shoreline advice. And then uh, in 1996, uh, with budget cuts, uh, much of that was was removed, and uh, there was a real uh, paucity of uh, expertise. And so the Coastal Center was actually formed to fill that gap by myself and a gentleman by the name of Jeff Peach. So yeah, that's uh, that is something that we're we're, we're monitoring. Um, our hope is that the whole discussion about floods and flooding is still driving uh, a lot of work uh, at the pro- provincial level. Uh, that is something that hasn't changed. The whole focus on uh, getting new floodplain mapping, getting uh, more uh, more tools, better technical information, and actually the uh, coastal conference that we just hosted and, and uh, your office was good enough to be a sponsor. A lot of discussion was on existing development along the shoreline which has been there for quite some time, grandfathered, I guess I'd call it. And certainly there is there is some concern about uh, erosion, high water levels and the impact that ha- that has on some existing development. So there are some areas that definitely the changes in regulations that may be coming are, are, are worth keeping an eye on and getting uh, advice and, and uh, su- suggestions on how to fill any gaps that may happen in the future. Yeah, there, there's definitely, um, you know, a lot of fear in some uh, property owners as they as they see the the top of slope uh, creep closer and closer to their to their cottage that you know for some have invested millions of dollars uh, in in those properties. So um, now you might know offhand. You said that the uh, Lake Superior uh, lake levels need to plateau and start to drop before we'll see any significant drop in the in the lower great lakes basin so have have we seen any sort of plateau in superiors uh, lake level or is there is it still in the climb yeah good question uh, lake superior being the largest it doesn't fluctuate as much as lake huron and actually lake michigan if you think of the straits of mackinac uh, Lake Michigan, Lake Huron are are connected uh, hydrologically, so the water level in Lake Michigan is exactly the same as the water level in Lake Huron. So large masses of water. Um, but what I was going to say is uh, the Lake Superior, 
Um, there has been some change, uh, not not huge, not not necessarily significant. So the expectation for Lake Huron is we will continue to have high water probably for the next couple of seasons. So uh, winter and spring for sure. Uh, usually when, when we see uh, lowering water levels, it's usually in the fall uh, in, in uh, normal years. Now, having said that, I don't know what normal is anymore. And uh, the whole discussion about climate change is one that is an important conversation to have just because those people with million dollar properties and and uh, are are wanting to uh, do everything that they can to uh, protect and I'm using the word protect in quotes um, there is there are there are areas where adap adaptation is the solution to the whole discussion about climate change. And I, I, I turn to Lake Erie and some of the issues that are having down there with uh, strips of cottages, which are, are definitely not the million dollar uh, properties that uh, you mentioned, but uh, properties that have been there for quite some time and are way too close to a very high water and storms and they will be looking at uh, adaptation just because you cannot protect you cannot put armor stone you can't put steel walls uh and and expect uh, longevity with regards to protection so um i guess my take-home message there is with the discussion about climate change we do think water levels are going to be a little higher in the future than what they are now and perhaps even a little lower at the bottom end of the range and i'll just uh, back up for a moment here so lake huron has a two meter vertical distance range so at low water level it's two meters lower than where it is right now and if you think of the average person i quite often when i'm giving presentations i'm about six feet i'm about two two meters so water level drops over the course of many years from where the top of my head is to where my my toes are that's a considerable drop and that makes a huge difference on the beach because right off the bat your water line will perhaps be much further away from the shore you have much wider beaches and that's what we found in the in the uh, mid 90s and uh, certainly the low water that we've seen in the past we may actually see slightly lower into the future like a, a couple of centimeters not not meters by any means so one expectation of climate change is instead of a two meter drop uh, range in water we may have two and a half meters so a couple of centimeters higher and a couple of centimeters lower and that should be something that people that are wanting to um, enjoy their property their shoreline property into the future they should have some um, adaptation plans they may have to consider you know if especially for outbuildings for example if they've got sheds and and those types of things um, the closer they are to the top of the bluff the more threatening they are with regards to their own um, liability but also the whole idea of weight on that bluff uh, again we talked about vegetation but putting a lot of uh, structures right on top of the bluff and adding the weight to an already perhaps unstable uh, bluff is, is not something that you want to do and this is where you get into drainage is a, a big issue as well you know making sure that the water is draining off the property perhaps in a different direction than going directly for the lakeshore so again, there's some some ideas and some thoughts there that uh, hopefully will uh, help help you and as a realtor and also some of your uh, landowners. Yeah, in ter in terms of adaptation, that adaptation piece, uh, we are seeing a, a you know a lot of companies and and cottage owners and and property owners 
moving their moving their their structures further from the top of bluff um, to a new location. Obviously, there's you know uh, in in this area, Maitland Valley Conservation Authority has has a say and jurisdiction over those things as well as the building department and what have you. Um, I had never really considered the 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 sheer weight of a foundation and a home having that that uh, impact on the on the on the forces that are pl- at play on the on the bank so that's that's interesting to consider for sure yeah and keep in mind septic systems are usually part of that as well and a, a full septic system has quite a bit of weight and that's where uh in 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 perfect scenarios the septic system would be on the landward side of the building not on the lakeward side of the building if you're in a bluff area but but yeah you're you're right to Retreat is a word that is used uh, to explain that idea of moving buildings, and there's a lot of uh, discussion about that because right off the bat, people think that's a that's a negative thing. It's you know, in in war, you don't want to retreat; you want to keep going forward. So they're changing the the terminology, and they're they're referring to it as a managed move, and that is something that uh, historically has always been along the shoreline. Back in the '60s and the '70s, buildings quite often. Uh, they they uh, put a cottage and they buy the lot behind on the other side of the road landward and they referred to it as a runaway lot and you know if if the erosion got too bad they they pick up the cottage and move it back onto the the back lot almost like an insurance policy so uh, those are those are you know practices that uh, were were quite common in the early early days of uh, cottaging along the uh, Lake Huron shoreline, but that's not uh, the case anymore with larger homes, more infrastructure associated with it, and perhaps those are uh, some of the reasons why setbacks need to be even you know considered a, a little bit uh, further back. I always make the comment that I don't know why you want to go with a minimum standard when you're dealing with new construction. You want to be as safe as possible but still being able to enjoy the the lakeshore so you know these are all things that uh, again uh, should be in considerations especially into the future with uh, the questions about climate change and not knowing exactly what that's going to mean on our our shoreline that's excellent mm-hmm. well i know that having this resource um, of the coastal center uh, we've always directed people uh, that are inquiring about lake lakefront uh, ownership uh, to the coastal center for information purposes. Now we've got a wonderful conversation that we can refer them to that answers uh, so many questions that our that our clients have. Um, it's abundantly clear that climate change is a fact and is happening and is having uh, these effects, uh, you know, on the lake and on on all sorts of things. So. Um, now I have an answer to the question why the water levels rise and fall. Um, anything, any final tidbits before we let you go, Pat, that uh, that might uh, be of good consideration for our followers? Yeah, uh, winter tires. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to make that comment because we are having a warming uh, warming trend in the air as well as in 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 the water, and and that is something that uh, even Lake Superior was uh, being seen as having a slightly warmer uh, average temperature in the last few years. So we know that ice cover on Lake Huron is going to be either totally gone or or a lot less than what we've seen in in past winters. And when you have that much open water in the winter with uh, winds whipping off uh, the lake and then coming on shore, the whole idea of uh, snow streamers and snow squalls 
will be in our future for sure. And that is something that uh, in the climate change discussion, we're, we're very confident in, in that aspect. So winter tires are a great idea. Uh, and uh, I just got mine on. And that is certainly something that uh, is a perhaps a, a valuable piece of information with regards to what climate change is going to mean along our, our shoreline. So, so that was, that was my final parting uh, point that I want to make. That's amazing, Pat. Thank you so much. You know, we learned so much uh, on this, on this podcast. We, we've learned yes, from the mayor, we've learned, we've learned from the scientists, we've learned about winter tires. I know winter tires are effective at about seven degrees and below, so it's good to get them on early. Uh, Pat, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time out of your day to, to provide this valuable insight. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Pat. You're very welcome. Good seeing you. All right. Thanks for watching uh, Real Talk Podcast with the Homefield Group. And uh, you have a good day as well.